You're listening to the Mother FN Podcast with Patty Crouch and Heather Dragulescu. Well, now that I'm coming up to my year in comedy, I kind of wanted to talk to you about something. First off, I guess it's how I reacted to it. I really thought I was going to do a showcase, you know, take a class, do a showcase, and there I was. I'm done. That was fun. Now on to my life. And it turned out I loved it and I wanted to keep going and keep getting better. How about you? How did you react like after your first showcase? It was the same. And it was funny because I remember Ken Pringle, who mm-hmm. taught my level one class at Flappers, I said, oh, yeah, no, I'm I'm just doing this as a bucket list thing, whatever. Yeah. Just showcase, that's it. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and then he was like, you need, are you inviting people? And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not really like this. Is. And he's like, you, you're going to want people there. And yeah. I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. And then he kept going, no, no, you you want people there. And he goes, trust me on this. And I was like, okay. And then like that last class, he goes, so are you sure you don't want to do this anymore? Hmm. And I was like, well, I've really had fun. And we started talking. Yeah. And he was like, okay. And then I had the show and man, like it changed. I was like, I'm good at this. Yeah. And for the first time, I felt like I had found the thing that I'm better than average at. Mm-hmm. And I've never, I've been average at everything in my life. I'm an average height and weight. Like that's how average I am. And so this is, so once I realized like, I'm actually not bad Mm. at this, I was like, I'm doing it. Yeah. Because there was too much, there was too much positive out out of it than negative. Yeah. Like the feeling I get, the therapy I have, the feelings of doing something bigger than just dishes and laundry, like all this stuff happened. So yeah, it was definitely a different reaction, I thought, because even until like really the last class, but it really was like walking off that stage that I was like, I love this. Yeah, I wish I wish I had asked Bobby, but I think he knew kind of before I did, I wasn't going to stop this. Chris did that too, because he was like, this is the first time you've been excited about something. Yeah. He's like, you haven't been this excited since the first day the girls came home. Yeah. He's like, you are excited. Like you can't stop talking about it. And then I apologized to him. I was like, I'm sorry, because I you talk about crap all the time. And I'm like, blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And he was like, no, it's fun watching you be excited and joyful about something. Yeah. So it's, he it's pushed great. me further, too. Who came to your, your showcase? Because I had my parents there, Bobby, and a bunch of friends came, which was really nice. I had my five. <laughs> my five <laughs> friends. And my crab, my I call them the crab crazies. Yeah, so there's about 12 people there. Oh, and there was the people that they they knew I wanted them there and I invited them each personally and they were like, we're there. We're that's there. awesome. You know, and Ivan and Gracie came to every single one of my show for the oh, first year. That's awesome. Like literally I had my one year anniversary and then they stopped showing up. They oh. haven't been to the show since. <laughs> They're Gracie, like, we did Ivan. it. I don't think they even listen to this podcast to tell you the truth. Gracie. I know. We name drop you all the time. And you don't <laughs> listen to our podcast. I remember the friends that showed up. Uh, I had put a blast out there and quite a few people were like, oh, I'm totally going. I was like, oh, maybe they won't. But then a bunch of them came and I was so excited. And I was so happy that they showed up. My parents came, were there and my mom was none too thrilled about being part of my first comedy set. Oh no. And she has continued to be none too thrilled. So she doesn't like it. Like she, she doesn't well, She's mind. the butt of half of your jokes. So yeah, that's that the problem. Let's just be honest. Um, the strain of my relationship with my mom creates a lot of the comedy that I have because it's easy to make fun of that. It's easy to make fun of something that's very difficult to talk about. That's the, where we find well, it's humor. healing to make fun of it, and that's what you're healing through right now. And it's just, uh, yeah, but she hates it. I mean, I remember after one of those shows, I said, Mom, how do you feel uh, about me 
you know, saying stuff about you. Are you uh, this is actually after the first show. I said, are you mad? And she goes, ha ha ha, a little bit. <laughs> I was like, oh no. And then a few times later, I was like, you keep coming. Why do you keep coming? I keep making fun of you. And she says, oh, well, I will sacrifice my happiness for your happiness. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, this isn't a sacrifice. This is a release, but whatever. That's what you want to say to make yourself feel better, mom. It's okay. So my dad's been supportive. He's given me a lot of great feedback about my sets and how he thinks they're doing. Bobby's very supportive. You know, Um, he thinks I do a lot better sometimes than I do. Like I'll kick myself and go, that was a terrible set. He goes, what are you talking about? It was great. You were great. So I'm much more critical uh, on everything I do. To this day, I don't think I've had a great set. And he's really? like, you've had great sets. I'm like, mm, I think I've had good sets, but I haven't had one where I walked off and I went, that was great. That felt great. The audience was great. I came off great. There's every single one I can pick out four to five things where I flubbed or I wish I did something differently or I made it better. I don't analyze nearly as much as you do, I don't think, because I go with an overall feeling. Ah, gotcha. And I've walked off of that stage. Like the Dave's mm-hmm. Authenticity class, I yeah. walked off going, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. That was a blast. But my friends, it's interesting because I really only invited people that I knew loved me unconditionally so yeah. that if I bombed, it would be okay. They've seen me cry about infertility and yeah. Jackson and everything else so that they'd just be like, oh, whatever. So I didn't, it wasn't a risk as much. Yeah. Because I invited people I knew would meet me in an alley if I needed to be in an alley. Yeah. I don't know why I'm going to be in an alley, but. To shank someone, but you know. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and my crowd buddies would be there for that. So it wasn't like a risk. Yeah. But then as soon as I started inviting people that I kind of didn't know, but knew, yeah. like the people I work out with at Ninja and like all these things. But it's interesting because everyone I was like, oh, I'm doing stand up. They're like, oh, that makes complete sense. Yeah. Oh, that makes complete sense. Like everyone who knew me really well were like, oh, that makes complete sense. And then the people that didn't know me well, but know of me, like at school or at, you know, Ninja or whatever, they were like, oh, that makes complete sense. Yeah. This is what you're meant to do. Like this makes complete sense. I'm surprised you haven't found it sooner. I'm like, are you (laughs) sure? Like, is this, it it was more of a shock to me that I found stand up than anyone else. Yeah. I, um, I performed stuff in high school and that was fun. And I just kind of thought I was never really going to get back up on stage again. And then I just had this urge to do it, to just get back up on there. And I'm glad I did it. I think I w- it was necessary. I love it. As a family members, I, it's interesting. Like, I don't think half my family realizes I'm doing it. Still. Really? Well, they're all in Texas. Oh, yeah. And so it's kind of like, oh, yeah. I will, and I'll say something like, oh, yeah, I had a, you know, a comedy show last night. And my sister will just go, oh, okay, cool. And like walk, like, don't ask me how it is. Yeah. And my mom's like the same way, like never really did anything. My brother actually was like really impressed. He's like, I'm so proud that you're doing this, like something I want to do. And so he's actually possibly going to start taking classes in oh, awesome. San Antonio. And when I was down there for, we went to an open mic and so they got to see me and some of my other close friends got to see nice. me in San Antonio. So it was fun. So I think he may mm-hmm. do something. So he's the one who, when I talked to him, which I don't, I talked to him the least out of all my family members. Yeah. When we do talk, he does ask about how it's going and stuff. Yeah. And then Chris's sister, one of my sets, this is so sweet. Chris was so proud of me after the Dave authenticity set, mm-hmm. like he was so proud. And, I, and he said, oh, I'm proud of you. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. You know, but he was so proud that he sent it to, this, like, to family members and stuff. And his sister, Marsha, like watched it. And then she called me, which I talked to her maybe like twice a year on the phone. Mm-hmm. Like we're not this the type to talk, right? Yeah. But she personally called me and was like, I am so happy that you're doing this. I, it's like you found something you th- oh, are awesome. good at. 
And it's so amazing to hear you talk about it. And it's like, I know that, you know, when I talk to Chris, it's like so hard and so amazing for you to find joy out of it. Like she was like crying on the phone with me about how she's just so happy that I found the thing that I love. That's awesome. So it was really cool in that aspect too. I do think my distant family members think this is just some weird hobby I do. But I will say it's interesting. My kids have started saying, telling their friends, my mom's a comedian. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Like my mom's a comedian. I'm like, well, you know, I was also a producer for a long time for theme parks. <laughs> but even that, I don't want, I'm not doing theme park stuff anymore. Um, and I've stepped away from it. And it's just, I think I'm ready to start saying I'm a comedian to people. I started putting it on paperwork because I feel like who the hell reads that paperwork anyway? And there's so much <laughs> of it. You know, they always ask like father's profession. Yeah. You, you fill out paperwork for like PT and OT. Yeah. Like that matters for the yeah care of my son. Right. So I started putting like comedian. Oh, on those nice. a couple of times. And then people, I told one person at the school and now people are like, oh, you do stand up. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I do. It's it's a weird, like it's a weird, like you get to name it to tame it. And like, yeah. it's a weird to like own it. Like I'm a stand up comedian. And now yeah. I'm trying not to say stand up. I'm just trying, I'm a comedian. Cause yeah. it's like, no, I'm starting to do improv and we're mm-hmm. writers and we're, you know, trying to have a comedic writing career as well. Like it's interesting. Whenever I make a joke though, the girls are like, save it, save it for your comedy. <laughs> what? That's so mean. There are I mean. love it. They're the best. I love them. Zandy has said a couple of times, oh, you were home a lot more when you weren't doing your comedy thing. Yeah. You know, but then she's also recognized like, you're happier when you come home after you've done an open mic. And they'll ask, how did the mic go last night? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I didn't do so well. Because I wanted to use it yeah. as a tool for them to realize that I'm learning. Like, and it's okay. And, yeah. You know? But their reactions like hit or miss. Either it's being taken, it's selfish, and they're taking it. I'm being taken away. Yeah, from them, or it's like sarcastic. Of you should work on it. <laughs> Lexi tells me all the time, you need to work on your comedy. Like I'll tell a joke, and she'll be like, not even a joke. I'll just make a funny little funny, you know. Yeah. And she'll be like, cricket. Oh cricket. my gosh. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, you need to work. You need to take another yeah. class. I'm like, it's so lot. funny. Anna has a problem where she, when she does see some of my comedy clips. She doesn't realize, you know, in comedy, it's not 100% truth. Like there are some changes that you make, timelines, things and things well, like that. Well, as Dave would say, the emotion is truthful, but the yeah. facts are not. So no, there don't, is, don't have to be, I should say. She one time saw this clip where I do a joke that usually it is about her, but she happened to see it that night where I just made it about Bella. I just said it was my oldest daughter, you know, just a little thing on the slide, just because it was going to make sense to talk about her, you know, yeah, to you, do a story of three. And she's like, oh, remember when Bella did that? I'm like, that was you. She's like, mm-mm, mm-mm. I saw in the video, you said it was Bella. I'm like, no, that was you. <laughs> you got to own that. She's like, crap. There's a, but there's video evidence that it's not of me. Yes, and there's more video evidence that it is you. So don't worry. <laughs> That's only her one thing. Tony tries to, he's trying to get into the comedy writing, trying to be a good comedy writer. You know, I'll do stupid little puns and stupid jokes you've heard before. Like, um, we're having Mexican food tonight. You know what that means? And he goes, what? I'm like, that means it's mine, not Joe's. <laughs> and then he'll he'll try to do it. He's like, oh, we're going to go to In-N-Out tonight. So you know what that means, mom? I'm like, what? He goes, it's not Joe's. I'm like, <laughs> doesn't doesn't quite work. You didn't quite get it. Doesn't, it's not the right, but he's trying. Uh, and whenever I hear a good joke, I tell it to him, like a little kid joke, so he can go pass it on to his friends. Yeah. I heard the best one the other day. What is it? Why did a chicken cross the road? You heard that for the first time yesterday? Did you just go? <laughs> Just start. <laughs> why did the chicken cross the road? Why did the chicken cross the road? I'm asking you. You're supposed know, to say, oh, okay, why? Okay. To get to the idiot's house. Knock, knock. Who's there? The chicken. 
See, it's pretty good, right? <laughs> Hold on. That, that one's good. So, I'm going to have to tell that I cannot take that friend. credit. I read it on Twitter and it was just like, that's the best joke I've heard that in a long awesome. time. I'm going to totally. <laughs> the girls, see, the girls don't get it yet. They're, they're like, why did the chicken cross the road? And you're like, why? Because the elephant. <laughs> I know. And then you're like, no, that sucked. Yeah. That really did suck. And then they're like, use it. Use it for your set. And I'm yeah. like, mm. if I have to pull a joke out that my eight-year-old told me, I'm already pretty much dying. <laughs> I don't think that joke is going to be the one that saves yeah. my career. Yeah. yeah Anna, um, Anna is naturally funny. And she'll just say things that does not mean to be funny. And so those will end up in my set often because she's just so like, she'll ask me like, how much would it take to burn down this Walmart? And you're like, what? <laughs> Why are we asking this question? <laughs> and do you answer it? Well, let's see what the square footage is. If the square footage Oh, yeah. Is like I was 15, like, well, 000. we'd have to know the square footage. We'd have to know what the plumbing situation is. I'm sure it's got, you know, uh, redundancies for fire control. So you'd have to look at that. You'd have to find the weak spots. And I'm like, why do I have a terrorist in my house? <laughs> I also get involved in these conversations. Yeah. Like when they ask these random questions, I'm like, I... I don't know, <laughs> but let's now find out. You know more about how to hide a dead body than I ever wanted to know. Oh, I know. So how did your family react to you saying that you're going to adopt? Like, did you tell them beforehand? Did you start the process and then tell them? Did you go, oops, we have three kids? <laughs> I mean, they kind of had known my entire life I wanted to. And when they realized it was getting serious, my mom became very adamant. This is not something I'm going to easily accept. She was like straight out. Yeah, yeah. She's like, we don't do adoption in Korea, which is not true. They kind of do now. But when she was growing up, they really didn't do adoption and you you didn't adopt. The Korean culture and most Asian cultures, I would be very stereotypical here, maybe even racist. Mm -hmm. um, you just take care of your own. So there wouldn't be mm -hmm. necessarily adoption. Like if your sister needed yeah. help with a kid and got herself in trouble, you would just take it. It wouldn't necessarily so, be a transformation of like rights yeah. or anything. So the, the thing is in Korea, when she was growing up, at least kids that were in orphanages or so usually came from parents who were unsavory people. So like mom was a prostitute or, you know, some kind of addict. Their families wouldn't take up. Not if they, and that's the thing. Like if a kid ends up in, in an institution or an orphanage, that means they must just have really bad lineage. And you, you know, there's a lot of still, I think Buddhist traditions and superstitious traditions that exist in Korea that like, you don't name your kid for a hundred days, you know, because, Wait, 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 time out. Yeah. You didn't have a name for her. Oh, no, days. I did. <laughs> and all of them do, but you still have that party and that ceremony. Like now they officially have a name, you know. Like Why my, wouldn't you name a child? Like some intriguing. evil spirits come and will take them away. So they have to get to a hundred days. Like there's all this stuff. Like I don't quite know. Like she doesn't explain it well. And honestly, I just never have looked into it much because I'm not going to celebrate it. But, you know, like my sister's head was shaved because she came up with a full head of hair so you shave it so she doesn't look like such an older child or something. It's just weird things that they do. It's not weird. Sorry, it's culturally insensitive to my culture. It's just things that they do. It's traditions. Weird. And I, mean, I didn't have a name for six months. Well, I had a name, but my mom hated it. What was it? Patricia. Oh, so, so, <laughs> it's still my name. Well, I mean, like my uncle, the name he has now is not the name he had growing up. And when he was a teenager, he was so like misbehaving all the time and getting into trouble and stealing and everything that they changed his name. And they changed it because they thought his other name was bad luck. And I was like, you can do that. <laughs> you just change it for better luck. That's where I'm going wrong. Jackson shouldn't have been Jackson. I should change his name. I should change his name. I'm the one. Yeah. And, and the Romanians as well, uh, my in-laws were very hesitant because adoption was not a thing you do in, Roma in Romania. 
the kids there were abandoned by their families. Um, and Ceausescu was trying to build an army out of them and really became a very shameful experience. You can look up the Romanian orphanages. It's very upsetting. A lot of studies are done on them, yeah. I feel like. Yes. Uh, and to show like humans need human contact and touch or else they're going to end up demoralized shells of people. So a lot of resistance. <laughs> wow. A lot of my great aunt was the only one who was super excited for it. And um, she, she passed away before the kids were matched. So she never got to experience it. Oh. And you know, it's so funny. I was watching I these. Count. Well, I was watching these. You might cry at this. I was watching videos of um, baby reveals, revealing genders or grandparents finding out they're becoming grandparents for the first time. And I love the reactions. Like they're yeah. so sweet and they're loving. And I just realized I had a moment of loss. I never yeah. got that reaction. I, yeah. I never got the excitement from my parents becoming grandparents for the first time. I never got... No one waiting in the waiting room. No. To I see them for the first time. Nobody eagerly helping me plan. Like there's... And, and I realized, I think I might have some bitterness about this. Like uh, friends didn't offer to throw me an adoption party, like a baby shower or anything. And I, I don't want to sound like I'm greedy, but you go, you could have... We could have just had a party to celebrate it. It's yeah. an experience that you miss. And it's and that was the thing. Like I had a lot of friends and there are a few who have stuck around to this day. So I know it was genuine, but there are others who didn't. So I know it was disingenuous in a way who were like, oh, it's so wonderful. You're adopting. It's so amazing. And then the moment they found I was matched sort of disappeared. Was it like actually the moment? Like how it much, was, okay, I'm going to be a little devil's advocate here. Yeah. How much is it you projecting that they left because of it? Or was it like time circumstances where they now have kids that are doing sports or they now have- They had no kids. I was the first I'm one just, to get the kids. I'm just saying like yeah. in general. Um, you know, sometimes it, you think yeah. it's one thing and it's something but else. It's, it's but it's something else. No, yeah. this one, none of them had kids. Okay. And it had gotten back. One of them said, well, we just feel like you must be too busy right now. I hate Like that your kids excuse. don't want to do this. I'm like, well, you didn't even ask. I told all my single friends, yeah. like if you stop inviting me to things, like it's- crappy it makes me feel crappier yeah like i'll say no yes 90 percent of the time but still invite me because it's the thought that counts and the one time i need it i'll make it happen and yeah. you don't know what gift you're giving me yeah they didn't feel that way <laughs> so it just there were a few people who stuck around and you know um who did some very nice things but i realized the majority of friends suddenly didn't want to cope or deal with this like the idea of it was too difficult mm. and they went away so I realized like in watching those videos of grandparents and baby gender reveals, oh, I have a sense of loss because nobody was excited. And it felt like I had excitement going into a void. Wow. And I felt like people didn't know how to react to adopt it because I wasn't adopting a baby too. I feel like if it was a baby, people would have been excited. Mm. But I'm adopting a nine and eight and a six-year-old who are yeah. fully formed people and who have fully formed feelings and thoughts and are kind of what they're going to look like and that's it. Yeah. And it just, it became a lot harder to sort of cope in that sense and that people really didn't know what to do. Now, as I said, there were some friends who really reached out and who made me feel as welcome as they could at, to their ability. And it was really wonderful. Were they? I'm just curious, were they already part of the foster adopting world or were they part of your church? So they saw the process of you going through it or did they? No, these were, these were work friends. And they were the closest ones that have to this day have remained friends, you know, and that really kind of becomes the marker, you know, Oh yeah. who is the friend today and the ones who aren't, well, those are obviously the ones that just kind of fell away. And you know what? I'm not mad at them. I'm not upset. People deal with things and information in their own way. I, I realize now telling people you're adopting 
is never going to elicit in most situations that experience. It's not going to elicit this, oh my gosh, I'm finally a grandparent in a lot of times because people have that need. Like my mom and I were having a really tough conversation the other day in the car because I had her pinned. I was driving her somewhere. So yeah, most conversations, my most intimate yeah. conversations are in the car with yeah. the girls. And I'm like, we're talking about birth mom now? Well, I'm I at a stoplight? Trying to find out where we're going for an audition? Like, this is the moment you're choosing? And uh, I did. I did choose that moment because I was like, my mom stuck with me for an hour and I'm going to oh, yeah. confront her. Go for it. And so basically, my sister has an autistic son, but he's biological. Mm-hmm. And my mom fully admitted the biology matters. And she just is trying her best with these kids. But the adoption thing is... She said this in the, the car. Yeah. That, how long ago was this conversation? A Come month. On. A month ago. That's hard. When you know that four years in, your mom, my mom's doing the best she can, but I know it's probably never going to be what I consider good enough. And when I told her, Bobby and I were thinking about having a biological child, she sighed and went, I wish you wouldn't. Like, it's just, it's too much now. It's too much. You just need to realize that you made that choice and you can't go back. And like she was saying, I regret something and I don't regret it. We had always talked about adopting first and having a biological one. And we said, I want to have one before 40. And if it doesn't happen after 40, then that's fine. So not to project, but I'm going to mm-hmm. project. Yeah. That scares the shit out of me. What? Like you having, if you do end up having a biological child, if you're, if Bella, Anna and Tony are going oh, to see want it the, so bad, but if they're going to yeah. see the difference yeah. that your mom treats them with. I honestly think my mom has made such a priority out of my sister and my nephew. That it's already happened. That it, even if I had a biological one, it wouldn't matter. This is the priority now. Because my sister is the favorite. Of course. So, the um, beautiful one. Eternal beauty. Eternal beauty. Did you like my Korean accent? It, oh, was that an accent? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I think that's the thing that makes me the most sad is that Bidney wasn't here. Because I would have gotten all of that that I had wanted if she had been here. I would have had that excitement. And I would have had people ready to go and thrilled. You know, I bought all their stuff for their bedroom, you know, and and nobody came by to have like an adoption shower and check out my kids' rooms that were ready for whatever kids we may get. And it just, it was heartbreaking. And and it was one of those things that it took me four years to kind of come to that conclusion of, oh, I have a sense of loss. What's so crazy is that I feel like adoption is so much loss. And it's not just, yeah. oh, the loss of a birth mom. Like that's yeah. what people think. Oh, that's the end of it. If people even think that sometimes. Yeah. But there's so much loss added to it. Yeah. And like these things, not being able to breastfeed, not being able to have a shower, not having people in the waiting room, not having people to have excitement for you. Like yeah. all these things that are like, you don't get that. Yeah. And, and I think you feel kind of bad because everybody puts such emphasis on, in my opinion, the the birth mom and the kids losing each other, a birth family breaking apart. Which is huge you kind of feel guilty about saying, but I'm experiencing some loss too. Yeah, because we're taught not, I mean. Society says, like, these are the ones who need the most love and affection. Right. And I guess what made me upset was I didn't get that. Though I will say this, in defense of my Romanian in-laws, they love those kids. And those kids are spoiled rotten and it drives me nuts because I don't want them to be so spoiled. But then I go, they need as much love and outpouring as possible. And yeah. my dad does the best he can, you know, uh, with them and spend time with them and talk to them. And he tries to get them interested in his interests. And my mom, she's doing the best she can to her abilities. Yeah. But at least they have, you know, at least my in-laws are nuts. 
for the ones in Vegas? Yeah. Oh my God. It's a free for all when the kids go. Oh, oh they had some chocolate for breakfast. Oh, they're kids. Oh. And you're like, and it only happens once a year. We know we visit you four times a year and it happens yeah. four times. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not just once. And it happens for the four days that we're here. So <laughs> reality happens about 12 times a year. Yeah. That's not just once. At 10% of the year, it happens. Let's put it in those kind of numbers in that context. What about you? Did your fam- family react well, excited? Yeah. But they saw me so hurt with infertility ah. that they were ready for me to have some happiness. I see. So I think that's what was different is because I had had two solid years of constant no's mm. that when we started the adoption process, it was like, okay, all we, everyone just wanted me to be a mom because I so desperately wanted to yeah. be a mom. So I think it, the two years of my suffering through infertility <laughs> yeah. allowed them to be braced for what was happening a little bit more. And so everyone really, like my mom, I think is sad for me because mm-hmm. there's still this, it's generational, there's still this hint of like, it could happen. Yeah. There's a little, like there's an underlying, like there's a difference maybe in her yeah. head. But she doesn't show it to the girls. Like That's she good. loves the girls and she wants to be with the girls. And she's got the point now where she says, she says she hasn't done it yet, but she's like, I'm going to come out twice a year for a week, mm-hmm. regardless if dad wants to come out and regardless if Nina wants to come out or anything like I'm going to come out because I want those girls. And, you know, and when I go over, it's like her world stops and she, Oh, that's wonderful. She's like, what are we doing? Are we having breakfast? Are you gonna drop the girls off for this? It's, you know, like mm-hmm. she will usually have them overnight for at least one night so that Chris and I can go out. Like she, is like the perfect Mimi. Yeah. And she thinks about the girls all the time and sends them gifts, all mm-hmm. clothes that are yeah. 10 cents. But still, like, so yeah. in that sense, they're a hundred, like, she's, they're her grandkids. Jackson took a little bit longer because we had Mario. Mm-hmm. And when we lost Mario, it hit them hard. And I didn't realize how hard it hit them. Mm-hmm. But my dad, when we went to visit with Mario, like, he held that son every day for 24 hours wow. for like four days. He just held him the whole entire time. Yeah, And I'd be like, dad, he's sleeping on the thing. I just wanted to hold him. So he would hold him when he was <laughs> sleeping. He would hold him and he would feed him. Like he was just bonded with him yeah. so much. Then when we lost him, like he still asked, are you possibly going to get him back? I'm like, uh, no. he's now four and with this forever family for two years. Yeah. Not likely. So anyway, so I think it took a little while for Jackson because they were protecting their heart. A little bit. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to get hurt again, I think. Yeah. And then once they realized like Jackson was staying, they like flipped a switch a little bit. How does Chris' family react to it? So Chris's family has always been okay. Mm-hmm. It was r- crazy because we got the girls and Chris's mom. She was supposed to come in July and she ended up not because Chris's dad got sick. Mm-hmm. So then she postponed it to Labor Day weekend, which is the weekend we got the girls. So yeah. literally, we picked oh, wow. her up from the hot, from the airport, and in the car, she go. He goes, "We're going." We see. He, he couldn't tell any her because he yeah. was on a plane the whole time. Yeah. So literally, she picked him up in the airport, and goes, "We're picking up Patty, and then we're picking up your granddaughters." Oh. And she goes, wait, wait, wait. Uh-huh. What? We're picking up Patty, and then what were we doing? She's like, "We're picking up your granddaughters." And oh. Was like, wait, what? So like she was there for the like when we first met them and was there for the first four days and then yeah. we went to Target the next day and she bought like everything. Yeah. Like I was like, I don't think we need that. We do. Like she, <laughs> she put like every, I don't even she wouldn't even let me look at the receipt, but I'm pretty sure really? she spent over a thousand dollars. Oh my gosh. Because I we didn't have we didn't have two and yeah. I didn't have any clothes for them. Like it was just <laughs> ridiculous. So in that sense, and then the church that I belonged part of, like saw me with the infertility stuff, so they threw me in a little foster shower. Oh. And so, but the stuff you get at the foster shower is totally different. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> hey, look, you, no, <laughs> you don't know what you're gonna get. So we got like nail clippers, 
<laughs> but we also got books and Legos and like all this stuff. So in those little senses, I got a little bit of the piece of it still, but it was different. Like it was just different. Yeah. So in that sense, they've all been really, really accepting yeah. of always accepting the girls as family, accepting Jackson. Like they've always, they're their grandkids and it's been great and adoption's great and whatever. What's been slower for them to handle is the trauma that goes with it. Yeah. They were kind of like, oh no. Like they just kind of assumed that what I was talking about was like, I was this helicopter parent. that oh, wasn't yeah. really like true. You know, like yeah. I was being oversensitive or like all this stuff. And then slowly, you know, seven years later. Yeah. Slowly they've realized like kind of one by one, they've each had their moments of coming up to me and going, oh, yeah, we get it now. This isn't just you. Like this is real and this is serious and even though they were only nine months like they had their trauma and their issues and they've all slowly of coming to realize that like no i wasn't lying about the trauma (laughs) it did affect their brain yeah my my mother-in-law has finally gotten to that point my father-in-law is just kind of aloof and oblivious but he's not harmful my dad's like that you know my mom and i in that same conversation she said something that i thought was very hurtful and i told her but she's like do you even think what they're telling you is the truth or do you think they're just lying because they lie and i said you know mom at this point in my life i wish everything they told me was a lie i wish that was my problem is that they lie but unfortunately i've had social workers and psychologists and therapists and medical doctors and police officers all tell me it's true i said there's beyond uh mental in one of my kids there was physical evidence still that what had happened had happened I said, mom, what am I supposed to, I wish that my kids were just really awful liars and lied about grandiose things, but I have to deal with handle. Lying you can handle sexual abuse. Mm, There's a lot more to that. Yeah. And, and for me, that was such a moment of, you still don't get it. You don't get that these kids. And she's like, well, I just can't imagine people doing that. And you're like, you're right. You're right. But my kids, birth parents treated my two older kids like dogs and made them dog fight each other in a pit to see who would get fed and who would get to sleep in a bed. So guess what? They've been to hell and back. So maybe show them a little bit of love and grace that you're willing to give my other nephew, you know? Maybe finally start opening your heart to the fact that these kids have seen horrible things. My son has witnessed somebody being murdered in front of him. And there's a police report and a a court case with a transcript. But it's because she doesn't want no. To accept that that could be happen. Like no. She doesn't want to accept that things are the truth and these are yeah. the truth about her grandkids. But, you know, I don't know how much she feels that they're her grandkids in some ways. Like, it's just, it was very weird to finally realize it's going to be arm's distance forever. See, my sister was like that a little bit only because she has such a strong bond with Bailey and Avery mm-hmm. that she kind of wasn't willing to have that bond with the girls. Yeah. We have a distance relation. I mean, we're 15 miles away. It's not like... They mm-hmm. see Bailey every every week, you know. Yeah. So I understand there's this proximity to it, but it's also slowly changed as times change. Like they're bonding a little bit more. Yeah, I just really hate that four years later, and hate is the word. She would even think that it was all lies. It just shows where she is, and, and, and I feel sorry for her though because she really can't. Yeah, like she can't. Like she really can't. Like I feel like I'm not giving these kids what they deserve in life because they don't have two sets of grandparents. Who just love them totally and without shame and i think that's a perspective thing yeah. too i mean it sucks because they yeah. could have two yeah but in reality like they have you and bobby which in, yeah. in the end is all that really matters and it's you know it's just so hard and it's like how 
what I wonder is how could you say that after everything you've witnessed, after you've seen how they would react? Like if you put your hand on my son's shoulder, he would crumple into a ball because he thought you were about to abuse him. Like you saw that, you saw it. It's, it's just, it's a cultural thing. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, my mom always kind of emphasizes is that maybe my older sister does get it more. Maybe she's more in line, but I don't think so. I just think that my mom is sort of- What do you mean she's more in line? Like she's more doing what your mom thought she should do? Maybe, like maybe. societal expectations? Probably. That put it forth upon her from, her, from probably, your mom? Probably, probably. My mom and I've always butted heads and I've just always been a more defiant kid and a more, I'm not going to do it that well, way. Well, you had to be in order to- Eh, you don't have to be. There's plenty of Korean kids here in the U.S. who do everything the way they're supposed to. But I was a little bit more defiant. Uh, not a little bit. I was a lot more defiant. And I think you were a lot more defiant because you're protecting yourself. Probably. And I think it's served me well in some ways in life because I continue to bulldoze through whatever my mom said. And I bulldoze through life now. And I just kind of blaze my own path, whether or not she approves. I Sometimes this is going to sound really weird. And I haven't thought this through. So bear with me. Mm-hmm. I sometimes feel like we put such importance on like the mom. Would it be so bad? Like if you stopped ties with your mom? Sure. My mother's a narcissist and I've spent my life trying to get her approval. So, so, it right, so be, it's not healthy. Well, it's, it's, it's if she like, died. It's like Bella and her mom. It's yeah. not healthy. No, it's not. For Bella and her mom to have a relationship. And there's moments but when. But Bella still wants that relationship. Right. And so, I still want that relationship with my mom and it's not going to happen. So that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. maybe it's healthy for you to cut ties with your mom, which is so weird. Well, I have in some ways because I talked about this with my therapist and I said, it's just not going to happen. I'm not that kind of person. I'm not going to walk away from my dad. Which I totally get because I love, I love my mom and dad, even though they drive me bonkers. It became a thing of how do you address her? How do you deal with the situation? So before I would acquiesce all the time. And now if she's starting to get into a mood or I can see she's going to gear up for an argument, I'll say, you know what? It's good talking to you. I'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Bye. And I'll just leave. And I'll just, or I'll say, I'm not going to have this conversation with you because this is an un unwinnable conversation. You want to fight and I don't want to fight. So if that's the way it's going to be, I'm going to leave. So creating a relationship that works where you have a relationship with your mom in a way that yeah. still gives you power and not detrimental to who you are oh, as a yeah. Heather. Last summer, my mom suggested that she would all expense paid trip for a week to Maryland so Bobby and I could take the kids and go to an autism seminar for an entire week to support my sister. Full expense paid. I'll pay for everything. And I said, no, no, I'm not going to spend a week in Maryland at an autism seminar. Well, there's activities for kids to do. So that's great. I'm not spending a week in Maryland for an autism seminar. That's not how I said, why don't you go? Well, it's too expensive for dad and I to go. Why? Why is it more expensive for two people than a family of five? Like what kind of accommodations were you going to put me up in? You know, it's a tent that and then Bobby was I had her on speakerphone and he heard and he's like, what? <laughs> he's mouthing like, what is your mom saying? And that was a, a moment where I realized no, I've, I've flipped it. I flipped this relationship and I will not do things that she wants me to do just because she wants me to do it. Good. I will say no and I will stick to no and I don't care if she gets upset. She got really mad at me. I can't believe you're not doing this. Your sister has a son with autism, blah, 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 blah. I went on and on and on. I said, I have three kids that have been physically abused and are going through their own trauma. Yeah. Thank you very much. And she's like, why wouldn't you want to learn everything you can about autism? And I said, uh, mom, I really appreciate you wanting to learn so much about autism. Why didn't you want to learn so much about kids with trauma at a two-day seminar in Pasadena? That's what I want to know. Did you tell her that? Yeah. I would have like thought it like five days later. No, no, no. I was mad and I said that because it was in my head. The moment she said the autism seminar, I was like, she wants me to go to five days in Maryland. She wouldn't do two days in Pasadena. 
And I said, you know, I, I said, I gave you books. You didn't read a book. You've read six books so far on autism. So no, I'm not going to do it. So this turned to Heather ranting about her mom's preference for her sister. But it really, that's, that's the thing. Like, um, you're not going to have families who are going to support this decision 100%. You're not going to have families who support it emotionally four years later. My mom does help me out when I need a babysitter. She does it, and I appreciate that. She does watch them. She is kind to them. She bakes them their birthday cakes. But you can feel the difference, and you can see the difference. She's trying her best, so I appreciate that she's trying as best as she can because she doesn't want to hurt children. You got to give that. her that. You got to give her that, that she's at least trying. Yeah. She's at least going through the motions regardless if there's emotion. Yeah. She's just hurting she's me. She's going through the motions <laughs> regardless if there's emotions behind yeah. it. You know, I guess in that sense to people, just know there are people who are going to disappoint you when you adopt. Well, it's about finding your own community yeah. of people who will support you and who you can support. Because I clung on to the other people who are going through the trenches with me. Yeah. You know, none of us are fostering anymore. All of us are pretty much done building our families and we still get together on a regular basis. And That's great. Have coffee and talk and do all that stuff. So it's like you find the people that are going to support you and be there for you. Yeah. So that you can get through it because it's hard. I will say my reaction to adoption just to end on a happier note, is that after spending years of wanting to die, I wouldn't change a thing in a way. I would change how I react now. I would change how my kids are in some ways, but those are peripheral. I would still adopt. I would still go through this process. I would still open myself to being wounded on a daily basis. There are moments that are so, you just see how worthwhile it is. Yeah. My Anna was able to stay home alone by herself for 15 minutes the other day, which would have been a huge meltdown years before. And it was in that moment that you go, she finally feels safe. And She's when I say I came back, I'm going to come back, she believes me that I'm going to come back. I can take a breath and go, I would do this again. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you to Atlantis Oceanic again for this space. It's a wonderful space. We love this space. Thanks for the husbands for allowing us to do this. Bobby for setting it all up and doing everything that he does. And Chris for letting me steal away, Patty, whenever yes. I need to. All right, guys. Have a good day. The Mother Effin Podcast is hosted and produced by Patty Crouch and Heather Dragulescu. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to visit us online at MotherEffinPodcast.com.